I'm going to start tonight with a rhetorical question, so don't call out your answers. What's more scary? Sharks? People? Or God? What's more scary? Sharks? People? Or God? I went to a really remote beach on the mid-north coast. It was so remote that you couldn't get in by car on my two-wheel drive. I had to go and get someone else to to give me a lift. I hitchhiked my way in. I had my surfboard under one arm, my fishing rod in the other. And we got to the beach and there was literally not a person on the sand, not a person in the water. And that guy dropped me off and he drove away. And the surf was great. I was thinking, how good is this? I'm getting out there. I left my fishing rod on the beach and I went out and I paddled out the back and I went under the waves and over the waves and I got finally out to the back And as I came down over the top of the last wave, a spray went over me. About 10 metres away, this... And literally, mouth open, shark jumped straight up out of the water. Breach flopped, whacked on the water. And my heart started racing. I mean, I've been in the water for most of my life and I've seen heaps of dolphins, but that's the first time I've seen a shark. And so I turn around, I'm going straight back for the beach. But if you know what I'm talking about, when a set comes and you're paddling to the beach, you've got to decide, do you catch it or do you duck dive it? And it was whitewashed by the time it got to me. And that's bad, so I tried to catch it, it dumped me, it put me under, I was on the bottom, I was on the sand, and I'm hanging out in the water with the sharks. Sharks are a freak out, aren't they? So I went fishing for the rest of the day, that was much better. I caught a heap of fish, but I got out of the water. What's more scary, sharks, people, or God? Another similar story, I was down in the Royal National Park in Sydney, and I took my fishing rod this time, and... You walk a kilometre down from your car, you get down to the water and it became dark. I'm down there with my head torch on, I'm fishing, it's night time. I don't know if you feel afraid of being out in the dark at night on your own in a remote place, Uh, but I kind of grew up with it, so I was getting, I was pretty comfortable with it, I was pretty used to it, until while I'm fishing, it's pretty late in a remote location, I turn around And out of the bushes, this dude walks out with a head torch, and he's walking straight at me, and uh, I'm thinking, what's this guy doing here late at night? You know, here I am fishing, maybe he's just a fisherman. And as he walked closer and closer, he turned off his head torch. And I never saw him again. And so, I didn't fish for much longer. I was going back to the car and I was checking around every tree because I was worried he was going to jump out of me. So what's more scary, sharks or people or God? Now when it comes to God, I've never met God face to face. But the Bible talks about a number of stories where people met God and when they met God, it was quite a shock, it was quite a surprise. So there's this one story of a guy called Job, and he's an upright guy, he's a good guy, he's the kind of guy that you want to spend your time with, and yet his life turned to mess. So he was uh, at home one day, and he's 
Servants came back and he found out that his family had been in a tragic accident. He'd lost his kids. On another occasion, his house went to mess. On another occasion, his body came down in sores and he was suffering. And so when life goes that way, you start to cry out. And for this guy, there's chapters and chapters of him talking about his problems and saying, God, where are you? What's going on? And so he's suffering and he's struggling and all his mates are around and they're trying to comfort him, but they're not being much help. And he's crying out, God, it would have been better if I wasn't born. Life's tough. I can't believe my situation. What's going on? And then one day when he's having a go and questioning God, God turns up on the scene and what does he do? He falls down on his hands and knees. God confronts him and says, who are you questioning? And Job on his hands and knees says, I can't believe I spoke. I'm so afraid. I'm not worthy. And that's the kind of story that you get right through the Bible. When people have met God, they've fallen down on their faces and they've been scared. So what's more scary, sharks, people or God? Tonight I'm going to do something a little bit risky. I'm going to do something a little bit controversial. I'm going to take a bunch of people that already have fears and insecurities and I'm going to add fear to your fears. I'm going to add insecurity to your insecurities and it's going to be a journey But I'm doing it for a good reason. I'm doing it so that you can find some new lessons as you confront your fears. And I'm doing it so that you can find the relief having gone through that journey. It's a bit like the time I dislocated my knee. Put your hand up if you've ever dislocated your knee before. We've got a couple in the room. It's painful, isn't it? It is so bad. I dislocated my knee. It was out the side and upside like this. It was out for about an hour and I had my leg bent in a shape like this. I got taken to the hospital and uh, the ambulance driver was the one who got to put it back in. But the doctor said, has anyone done this before? Who wants to have a go? And the ambulance like, I'll have a go. He'd never done it before. Um, And all the nurses pinned me down. I'm like, you know, I can hear this, right? They pinned me down. And then as the doctor pulled my leg straight, the ambulance driver pushed my kneecap and my brother was in the other room. He said he had nightmares about my scream. <laughs> it was painful. But instant relief. Instant relief. Sometimes you've got to push through the pain and the fear so that you get the relief at the end. I'm doing something a little risky today. I'm talking about fear, but I'm doing it for a good reason. What's more scary, sharks, people or God? Sharks only kill 1.5 people in Australia per year. That's not many, hey? Did you know that people kill 238 people in Australia per year? What's more scary? I tell you what, people have the capacity to do so much harm. But here's what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. He said, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. 
Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Sharks can destroy your body. People can destroy your body. But do not be afraid of sharks or people. Be afraid of God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus was teaching what the whole Bible had been teaching already. And so on the screen there's Psalm 90, which is a few thousand years old, written as a reflection on God, included in our Bibles as an accurate reflection about God. And we're going to have a look at it together briefly. And it says this, this man is crying out and he's saying to God, you have put our sins right in front of you. You have placed our secret sins where you can see them clearly. God can see inside our hearts. He knows the things we think. He knows the things that we do. He knows the words we say. They're right in front of him. What does he see? We keep reading. You have been angry with us all of our days. We groan as we come to the end of our lives. We live to be about 70, or we may live to be 80 if we stay healthy. God is angry, it says here. And it says, life is short because God is angry. We keep reading. But even our best days or even our but even our best days are filled with trouble and sorrow. The years quickly pass and we are gone. If only we knew the power of your anger. We don't even realize the half of it. If only we knew the power of your anger. It's as great as the respect we should have for you. Teach us to realize how short our lives are, then our hearts will become wise. To be wise is to confront reality. And to confront reality is to look at your life and realize that it's short. To confront reality is to look at your life and to look at the reason for the shortness of life and understand that behind it there is a God And that God has expressed his anger. If God is angry, it explains a lot of things. It explains why he seems so far away. It explains why he seems distant. Why when you cry out to him, it seems like he might not be listening. It seems like it explains why... You can't see God face to face and walk with him and spend time hanging out with the maker of the world. If God is angry, it explains suffering. It explains cancer and pain and grief. It explains death and the shortness of life. But if God is angry then far out. I was already insecure. Sharks are a threat. They freak me out. They make me insecure. People 
make me feel vulnerable. They can cut me down. They can evaluate me and judge me. They can make me feel nervous and insecure. God, if he is angry, well, that's a whole next level kind of threat. And that is a whole next level kind of fear. And I am all the more insecure. So how do you feel about what I'm saying? How do you respond to what I'm saying? What do you do with it? Well, there's three ways to handle a conflict. You can attack, you can run away, or you can run too. To attack is to come in aggressively, to swing a punch, or to use negative cutting words to attack and bring down. To run away is to ignore the relationship, to ignore the issue, to put up a fence, to go as far as you can in the opposite direction so that you can be alone and away from that. You put up walls, you put up locks. To run to, well, that's the hardest one. That's the most threatening and vulnerable one. Because to run to someone whom you're at conflict with and stand in their presence, you risk getting hurt. Another name for it could be scary love. It's scary to stand in the midst of someone who's angry, but it is love because it says, I seek peace. I seek reconciliation. I want a relationship. Most people run away. When relationships get bad, most people run away. We put fences up. We put barriers up. We ignore the relationship. We're building new fences all the time. In the 1970s, there were some kids. They were playing outside of town in the woods. And in that time, this is actually a true story. I just borrowed that photo from somewhere else, and I think some of you know where it's from. There were some kids in the woods, and little did they know it, there was a man watching them. And the man watching them had a video camera, and he was watching them for hours without them realizing it. Now, before you accuse him of being an axe murderer or something like that, he was actually a scientist. And he was studying the behavior of children. We're very good at studying animals. He was like, we study gorillas and all kinds of animals and we know what they do, but we need to study people. And so he went out to study where children are allowed to go, what they're allowed to get up to. And he did that in the 1970s. And what he learned is eight-year-olds were allowed outside the town to go wherever they want, ride their bikes, to go to a local waterhole and swim without any parental supervision. Forty years later... That scientist went back to the same town. The town was pretty much exactly the same size. The crime rate was much lower. The place had become more safe. And yet, when he did the same study, kids were not allowed outside their own backyards. They'd all built fences. We're very good at building up fences. 
And he did this study and what he realised as he interviewed all the parents is even though they were allowed to run free as kids, there was something about the news, about everything they'd been hearing, all the stories about shark attack, shark attack, shark attack, people attack, people attack, that in the end they were so afraid that their children were protected and kept at home. We're very good at putting up fences to keep threats out. We're very good at pushing away any sense of danger. But the trouble is, the danger isn't just outside the fence, it's also inside the fence. As brother and sister fight, as mum and dad fight, parents against each other, children against parents, and we even fight internally in ourselves as we wrestle with all the negative thoughts in our own lives... But you can't put a fence up from you and everyone and you can't divide yourself and put a a fence in your own heart so that you divide the good and the bad. We're just as much a part of the problem as everyone else. I make you vulnerable. You make me vulnerable. I'm scared of you just as much as you're scared of me. And so we put up fences to protect ourselves, but the fences don't work because we're part of the problem. And that's why we're at tension with God. I'm trying to build a fence to keep God out, but I'm just fencing my problems in. And God sees right through the fence and he sees right through our heart. And he sees both the good and the bad. And he is angry. So where are you at with God? How do you treat Him? Do you attack Him? Do you run away from Him? Or do you run to Him? The invitation today is to run to Him, to seek peace, to put yourself out there, to walk into the presence of the all-knowing God and pursue reconciliation. It's scary. There's so much to gain and yet there's so much to lose. It's such a vulnerable thing to come before God. How do you feel about fronting up before God? How are you going to come dressed? What are you going to say? How do you approach Him? I saw a school billboard once and it said, if you want to be loved, be lovable. That's how some people think that you deal with your insecurity. They say, take control, earn your acceptance. Become lovable, control yourself and be more likable, more lovable, more lovely. But it doesn't work. So, Liesl Jones, Olympic gold medalist, she said, after winning gold on the screen, I lie in bed at night wondering what's wrong with me. You've done it, I tell myself. You've won the gold, achieved your dream. This is the part where you're ecstatic. You should be over the moon. It doesn't feel at all like I expected. Because even as a gold medalist, you still have to get up in the morning. You still have to eat your wheat picks, brush your teeth. Life goes on. I thought my friends would like me more. My fiancé would love me more. And most stupid of all, I thought I might even like myself. Even when we succeed, we're still insecure. 
You can fight for the top, but you can't control it. Because in the end, you can't master yourself and you can't control the threat. Do you really think you can front up to God and say, look God, you should love me because I'm lovable. I'm lovely. Please accept me because of the fact that I'm good enough, that I'm lovely. The only reason anyone can ever front up to God is because He fronted up to us first. On the screen is a passage from the Bible, 1 John 4. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. It's not about our love. We weren't loving God while we were running, while we were attacking. He stepped out and He stepped into our space to bring reconciliation and peace. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son, that's Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, the man, Jesus Christ, from heaven, God the Son, came into the world as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, as someone who came to make us at one with God, to bring peace, to bring freedom, to bring the love of God. Jesus is not like the rest of us. We attack, we run away. But when we were attacking and when we were running, He was running to us. He died seeking peace with the people that killed Him. And He rose from the dead to become our Saviour. He rose from the dead to remove our sin, to conquer death, to raise us for eternal life and to bring us into the peace of God. So we come to the reading that we started with and this is the landing point of the talk. What you heard read before I got up was from Ephesians and it's from the Bible and it's a prayer and it's an offer of amazing peace, amazing security and amazing love and it's an offer that is from God. And so here comes a person who wrote this kneeling. He says, I kneel before the Father. You kneel because you're humble, because you realize how unlovely and unlovable you are. I kneel before the Father. We call Him Father because there's a personal touch. He's reached out to us. So we kneel humbly, but we come to Him as a personal Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. All of us were made by God. We're here in this world because God gave us birth. I pray that out of His glorious riches, God is abundant, He is wealthy, He is rich and generous. Out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power. He is strong He is able, He is capable, through His Spirit in your inner being. This is inside you to the deepest core of your being, in your heart, in your thoughts, where the insecurities live, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. This is God living in you. This is abiding, permanent, living God to dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, 
being rooted and established. This is a grounding experience to be established, to be secure, to be steadfast in love that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people if you put your trust in Jesus and if you come with love to God, you're not alone. There's all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. It is so deep. It is huge. It is more fantastic than any other love you've ever experienced. It's stronger love than the love that you found in your family. It's stronger love than the love that you found amongst all your friends. It is deep love. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It's more than your brain can comprehend. It's an experience that overflows from your emotions and your heart. Words can't put it into poetry. You can't write it into song. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What's more full than the fullness of the infinite God. This is a prayer that you might be fulfilled, that you might be satisfied, that you might be secure in the safe arms of a Father who knows you, who made you, and He loves you as you are. This is the foundation of self-confidence. This is the foundation of freedom from that wretched insecurity that controls you. This is the foundation of confidence. Because God loves us while we're unlovely. God loves us while we're unlovable. His love comes forward to us and He overcomes our fears. Sharks are scary, but God made the sharks. People are frightening, but God made people And God raised Jesus from the dead and he can raise people from the dead. So today, I've done something a little bit risky. I've added fear to fear to fear and insecurity to insecurity. But just like the dislocated knee, I did it so that through that might come some insight about the world and about God. And through that might come some relief that even though we are unworthy, He is a loving God. There's four different types of people in the room today. There's people who already believe and already love God. And the invitation for you today is to keep believing and to keep loving God. There's other people in the room today who have already believed but have gone astray in your devotion to the Lord, that you're struggling to love Him with all your heart, soul and strength. And today the invitation is, come into the love of God, be overwhelmed by His love and renew your love for Him. The third person here today is the person who's not ready to believe in Jesus, to come and love God. It does take time to learn about these things and to figure out where you stand. But I hope today puts a bit of urgency in that because it says that there's a God out there and if there's a God out there that you haven't come to peace with, 
then he's the one you should fear more than sharks or people. The last person in the room is the person who says, I haven't had faith, I haven't loved, but today I'm going to do that scary and vulnerable thing of putting myself out there. I want to trust in Jesus and I want to love God. If you're in that situation, I want to invite you to pray. And on the screen, you'll see that there's a prayer. I'm going to read it out so you know what I'm going to lead us in prayer for. And if you feel ready for this, I'm going to ask you after to pray it with me, echo it in your heart. So here's the prayer. It says, God, I invite you into my life. I'm really sorry for making you angry. I don't always realize how angry I make you. Please forgive me. Please come into my heart. Please live in me and make me more secure in your love. Please drive out my fear. May you help me to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And please satisfy me in the fullness of your love. So I'm going to pray this now. Don't think about everyone around you. Think about God and come with me. And if you want to echo this in your heart, especially at the end, when I say amen, it means I agree. Let's pray. God, I invite you into my life. I'm really sorry for making you angry. I don't always realize how angry I make you. Please forgive me. Please come into my heart. Please live in me and make me more secure in your love. Please drive out my fear. May you help me to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And please satisfy me in the fullness of your love. Amen.